Welcome to Behind the Numbers, the podcast that keeps you up to date with football within the hobby. This is off-season episode number five, and I have Chris Leroy of Retail Breaks on the show this week. We're going to talk about Mosaic and Prism PSA 10 rookies, uh, some pricing. We're also going to talk about the five takeaways of the week with the Sam Darnold trade. I'm going to do a little buy and sell with Chris with four different sets of guys. And also, the main reason I'm having him on the show is his expertise around the retail market. I uh, really want to give some perspective for us in terms of a hobby chat of what to expect and where retail is going from here. And he's a great guy to have on the show, and I think you'll really enjoy the conversation. Now, it's time for the show. Welcome to Behind the Numbers, off-season episode number five, episode number 25 overall. Uh, today, also really excited to have another guy that I really enjoy watching doing his breaks. Um, is Chris Leroy of Retail Breaks. And I brought him on today mostly to talk about the retail games. I think that is something that is widely talked about. We all have a lot of questions, a lot of concerns, a lot of frustrations. Uh, but you, Chris, I brought you on mainly to talk about that because I know you're heavy in it. You see a lot about it. You break a lot of it. And so we'll get to that towards the end of the show. But how are you doing, buddy? Pretty good, man. Thank you for having me on. Good, man. Why don't you just kind of go through just like a little bit of your hobby path, you know, your hobby path and just about, you know, retail breaks and just a little bit about you over the last few years to kind of give the listeners an idea of who you are and what you do, bud. Cool, man. I'm a, it's kind of interesting. I've always been a big vintage guy and um, I got, I got really back into modern cards because of a baseball player named Jason Hayward. And um, when when I used, to, I used to live in Atlanta, so when I would watch him play, I got so excited. Just like I did back in the day when LeBron came on the scene, I always told myself, I'm like, I need to go buy a bunch of boxes and just put them away because there's just so much hype around this guy. I need to go do that. And I obviously I never did or else, you know, I, I wouldn't be going to work every day. But <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I've i always been interested in vintage. And when I started going after Hayward, I would go to Walmart and Target and pick up blasters and stuff like that. And uh, so I, over the, the probably five years after Hayward came in as a rookie, I picked it up probably around 2016, around that area, where I kind of realized what they do now in, in the hobby. You know, you can pull pulled autographs and relic cards and parallels and image variations. And, you know, there, there's, there's no mainstream source to tell people, hey, this, this is what the hobby is today. It's not you just pull the same card over and over again. Like you can get a dude's autograph right out of a pack or you can get a piece of his, you know, glove or cleat or bat helmet, whatever, you know? So once I kind of found that out, I, I was just so intrigued. And again, I was a vintage guy. So I started looking into the modern game and I, I just couldn't believe that you could walk into a Walmart or target and pull one of these cards out of these boxes. It just, blew, it absolutely blew my mind. So yeah. it's like so many people, You once you kind of experience that for the first time, you go open something and you hit something like that, you're just hooked. You're hooked instantly. And it, yeah. it, it's like a drug in a weird way, you know? So oh, yeah. um, I, I just, I could not stop from the, and then, you know, the whole hype around, you know, the, uh, this is a little baseball related, but like Aaron Judge was a huge year in 2017. So that really got me back into the, the modern game. And, um, and it just, the whole hobby thing where I live in Ohio, there's a, I'm lucky there's a three to four LCSs within a 30 minute drive of me. So uh, growing up, I collected cards my whole life and I had no, I never knew that there was a distinction between hobby and retail growing up. I mean, I literally, that's all I did was collect cards when I was a kid. I had no idea there was hobby versions and retail versions. I thought you just bought cards at the gas station and Woolworths and, you know, stuff like that. So um, I walked into an LCS, you know, I don't know, seven, eight years ago. And then the guy explained it to me, he's like, look, you know, the, the odds of what you could pull out of a hobby shop is much better. You're guaranteed stuff opposed to what you pull at retail. I'm like, you know, and this is when prices were reasonable. You know, this was right. a few years, a few years ago. So, uh, but I still, I wasn't about to spend a hundred dollars on a box of cards. I just couldn't do it. So, the whole appeal of going to a Walmart and Target was the best. If you know, hey, I want to go rip some cards, I can walk into a Walmart, Target, spend twenty bucks, forty bucks, and just you get your fix, and and there you go. And my experience with hobby shops was, 
if you walk in there and you tell them that you're new and you don't have a lot of experience, it's literally like going to South Africa during Shark Week and throwing <laughs> chum into the water. And but you're the chum. They just smell right. it. They know. Oh, we can get, we can get this guy. At least that's the experiences that I. Had. So right. um, I, I didn't I didn't feel comfortable. I, I kind of felt like I was being taken advantage of a little bit. So I did my due diligence. I really started to research it. I really got into it, and that's what got me on the retail path. It's like, you know, I seen this. I'm growing up. I'm 43 years old. So in the 80s and 90s, card collecting was about rookie cards, right? There was, if you know, you had inserts and you had rookie cards. There was really nothing special about cards. So right. I come from a background of we're going to do base rookie cards. That's that's the thing. I wanted Maguire. I wanted Conseco. I wanted all these guys. You know, you wanted base rookie cards. So that's kind of what I love. And if you're a guy like me that, and it's weird, the hobby has kind of shifted to that over the last couple of years because prices have gotten so out of hand that, it prices so many people out to chase that big stuff that they, it kind of forces them to go to the retail route. And it's, it brought a lot of people into the base rookie card realm where you could go to Walmart, buy a blaster prism back when you could find it. You know, you, if it was this year, you pull a Herbert base and you send it to PSA and you got yourself a couple hundred dollar card for a $20 investment and a, you know, back then a $30 PSA investment. So right. it, it was very intriguing to me that you could literally walk into these stores, learning the whole grading aspect to it. So um, I, I, I kind of chose the retail path because I seen that's where the value was in my eyes. And I know retail is all the craze nowadays, but you know I was doing retail long before anybody wanted anything to do with it because it was yeah. readily available, it was cheap. And you got base rookie cards. So I can go spend a hundred bucks at a, a Walmart. And if you go spend a hundred dollars on a hobby box back then, the way they set the collation up, you're probably only going to get one of the guy that you're chasing out of a hobby box. But you can go right. spend a hundred bucks at Walmart or Target, buy five blasters, and you might get five of that guy, depending on the collation. You know what I mean? Right. So for a, a guy like me, it was the absolute perfect scenario where you know, I just want rookie cards. I don't really care about the autographs. The autographs are cool. You know, I hit just as many parallels out of retail as most people do in hobby, you know. So it kind of depends what you're what you're chasing, I guess. But so when um when I started posting, I got in the Facebook world probably three or four years ago. And that's a whole nother thing in itself that you it takes yeah. time to learn. And um so I would post all my hits all the time. They're like, Man, how do you have so many of these of this guy? You know, it's like, man, you must have spent a ton of money. And I'm like, well, I really didn't spend a ton of money. You know, I, I might have a few hundred dollars invested and I got 10 copies of each of the guy that you guys are chasing. It probably cost you a thousand dollars to get 10 of those guys, maybe even more. So um, I, I seen that a lot of people were interested in the route that I was going. There was a lot of people. I'm not sitting here like I'm some pioneer. Right? A lot of people are doing the same thing. <laughs> but, yeah, you know what I mean? So. I, I just, there's a lot of retail exclusives nowadays, and that started a couple of years ago. Well, it's been, right. it's been for a long time, but the, the popularity of retail exclusives have really exploded. And um, I'm lucky. I live in a, in a area in the Midwest where we have a grocery store here that only the Midwest has, and that's Meyer. So you have Walmart, right. Target, and Meyer. And um, so Meyer on the, on the baseball side, and I would imagine it's going to roll into all the other sports, but they do retail exclusive parallels at Meyer, Target, and Walmart, just like they do right. with, with football. So um, it was it was interesting for me because I had access to a lot of this Meyer stuff that people really wanted. So um, I I started going live in a room, and you know I was doing a lot of transaction sales on Facebook on a daily basis. So I got a decent following with people, you know, my, got my name out there. And I just said, hell, man, why don't I just start a room and everyone else and their brothers trying to do hobby. And, and you know, I started my room a year ago, but I was breaking a little bit before that. And even a year ago, you'd have to be delusional to think that you're going to jump into the breaking game, go get a LLC or a business license, 
go up to a distributor and say, hey, and this was a year ago, it's a completely different game now. Right. But even a year ago, you would have had to been delusional to say, hey, you know, I got some money. I'm a company. I'm a breaker. Sell me some product. You know, look, they're going to be like, hey, fat boy, stand in line. There's about 50 other guys with a lot more money than you that, that are first in line. Yeah. But and again, they're, they're all going any, for the hobby. Exactly. Yeah. But anybody yeah. can go to, you know, go to the Walmart or Target and it gives somebody a cheaper alternative. And look, if you're chasing base cards, you know, you want to get into a, a blaster case break that's literally a third of the price. Yeah, you're not going to hit an auto. You might not hit a, a one-on-one. Sometimes you might, you know, they're loading retail these days, but you're probably going to get a lot more of the guy that you're looking for going the retail route opposed to the hobby route. Yeah. So I started, I started the room. It's been a slow build. You know, we got over a thousand people now. And, um, you know, there's a couple of different people that break on my page cause I can't do it all the time, but it's, uh, it, it's cool, man. It's been an interesting journey for sure. For sure. Yeah. That's it's fun to see you like I, I enjoy watching your breaks because I, I do think that the I mean, it's why we're seeing the things we're going to talk about when we get to the retail conversation of it being hard to find because people are figuring it out. Um, I remember I got back into the hobby pretty hard again, like probably um, just over two years ago. I left mm -hmm. for you know, college, having kids, getting married, all that stuff and came back. And that's when I started figuring things out. And that's when I was able to find 2017. NFL Prism Blasters. That's how I got my Mahomes silver from a, of a Prism Blaster that cost me $25 Canadian. You know, um, that's how I got my Soto and Acuna stash because I found a bunch of update blasters on clearance that nobody wanted at the time. And so yeah. retail has like fueled a lot of collections and through those base cards that have those values. So um, I think that once people figure it out, like you said, go on the hobby route, you buy a hobby box. Like right now, you think about Tops Update. Uh, just, I know it's a football show, but tops updates going for almost a thousand dollars for one hobby box. Yep. You know, the blaster could have that one Acuna you're probably going to get in the hobby for what a 10th of the price, maybe a little exactly. more. So the, cra the uh, crazy, the crazy part is talking about tops update all in 2018, I opened so much of that stuff and I hit, I mean, all, the, if I had this stuff today, I'm not kidding you. I'd probably have a hundred thousand dollars worth of Soto and Acuna. This is yeah. baseball, but but I pulled all of that stuff out of retail, 100% right. of it, all of it. And they're like, oh, my God, where are you? I'm like, you guys are missing it. It's all of those hits. You're not going to get a black parallel out of retail. You're not going to get an acetate. But everything else is right there at Walmart and Target. You just got to go buy it. You know? Right. Yeah, for sure. Well, with that, let's let's get to the football stuff, and I want to come back to this retail conversation at the end because that's again that's what I wanted your expertise on the show for. Uh, I want I know sure. the listeners are gonna be really interested in that. But uh, you know, I already updated uh, the listeners on the wax pricing in terms of mosaic, prism, and optics. I'm not gonna read those prices again because not much not much has changed in six days. Um, but I just wanted your take, Chris. You've been I've seen you break all these mosaic, prism, and optic for football. Um, what are your thoughts of the big three mosaics first year? I think it's fared pretty strong in my opinion as a strong rookie card. Um, but what are your thoughts on the three different products? Do you have a favorite or just anything you got oh, for those yeah. three? I think mosaic is absolutely a blast to rip. I think yeah. it's the best bang for your buck. Now mosaic prices have jumped considerably. You know, the, if when mosaic first came out i think everyone's speculation was because it's a new product it's going to be nowhere near prism it's going to be nowhere near optic and it was just going to be this thing down here that it was like a novelty right right but before you know it blasters were 75 dollars, 80 dollars. fat packs were 50 bucks it was climbing and climbing climbing i think the, i've opened so much mosaic so much prism so much optic but I could tell you, if I was going to spend my money on a football product, it would 1,000% be Mosaic because yeah. it is absolutely loaded with parallels. You have image variations in the hanger boxes. You get mm -hmm. silvers constantly. You can pull autographs out of every skew, retail skew. It's all the top quarterbacks are not hard to hit. They come out very often. It's just a great, it's a great value, 100% a great right. value. I think yeah. they look, they look nice. The silvers are awesome. The parallels are awesome. You know, right. and if you go to Prism, Prism's Prism, right? Everyone loves Prism, yeah. but on, on the retail side, it's, it's hard, man. It's a tough spin. You're yeah. it's, I think Panini approached it 
wrong. I think they kind of knew what they were going to be dealing with this year with this class on the prism side. I, it's crazy because I think they did it right with Mosaic. And I think they could have put a little bit more into prism. And just the way it sits, it's crazy expensive. But I think if they would have put a little bit more into it, it would have been, it would be even crazier. But if you think about Prism as a retail product, you have mega boxes, you have fat packs, you have hanger boxes, and you have blasters, right? Right. So you can't pull autos, fat packs, blasters, or hanger boxes. The only place right. you can get an auto is in a mega box, right? And it's going to be a pink or a green neon, right? right. So you can't get um, – yeah, you can't get auto, autos out of those three skews. The quarterbacks are insanely hard to hit. I mean, right. insanely hard to hit. Yeah, I've seen a couple what, of your cello, your cello box breaks and not one, like, of the three. I, I, yeah, I mean, I can't tell you how many cello boxes. I can't tell you how many just, you know, $1,000 prism mixers that I've done where we didn't hit Tua, Burrow, or Herbert. None of them. Right. You know what I mean? You buy a blaster, you're getting discos or lasers, which is great. You're probably getting one silver per blaster, but you got zero chance at an auto. I know it's prison. People don't really chase autos in prison, but you're getting one silver per blaster. And the odds that – like I've opened sealed cases of prison blasters. And here, here's what I could tell you, anybody that can spend money on prison retail. It is pretty consistent that you're probably going to get one Herbert, one Burrow, and one Tua – out of a case, a sealed case of blasters. So right. think about it's that. A long checklist. Yeah, it's a long it's, checklist with four cards per pack. It's hard to get through that checklist. <laughs> it's hard, man. You put, you're yeah. constantly pulling vets. You're constantly pulling vet parallels, vet silvers. It's yeah. a tough, tough product. And on top of it all, not only do you got to spend crazy money and in a really hard chance to pull the guys that you want to pull, but if you do get lucky and hit one of the top three quarterbacks, there's a 90% chance that it's going to be way out of center. Way out of center, is a yeah. w real big problem, man. The, and the, the same thing with optics, yeah. yeah. Optic centering is even harder with that, yeah, with that border. I think with optic, um, I would say, and you probably would agree, I think optic, I've seen the quarterbacks more. It's kind of like a happy medium, oh, yeah, I think, of the other two. But I think uh, the thing that I keep been talking about on the show a lot is I'm really interested when this price is stabilized for PSA 10 rookies, if Mosaic and Optic are going to be really close or if Optic's going to be clearly number two. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm really skeptical. I do think Mosaic's love was pretty strong. I think Mosaic just hit such a perfect time for football because it's right when Herbert started dominating. Um, yeah. It's right when like Tua kind of got the nod early. And it's and Burrow was playing lights out, and then right when Burrow got hurt, Prism came out, and so you kind of saw a little bit of a trickle down. But the excitement for football was so strong um, when Mosaic was being ripped and people were getting it, and so I think Mosaic just had such a nice um, inflation from that. Uh, good point that Mike made in a lot on the show last week and two. Mosaic's first year, so people are really excited about Mosaic. It's the first year; it's going to have the same reception next year. I guess time will tell. Um, but personally, I like the cards better than optic. I think for me, if I ranked them, I think, you know, prism's the top value, but I think between mosaic and optic, I like the cards of mosaic better for me. Yeah. Not to mention you have the greatest, the greatest parallel in retail and that's the Genesis. Genesis. Yeah. Genesis that's in mosaic. Sweet. So if I, if I had a thousand dollars to spend on retail football, I'm buying mosaic all day, all day long. Cause I know yeah. in Genesis, you know, Genesis, it's it's a beautiful, beautiful coveted um, parallel, and they're not crazy hard to hit. You you can hit them pretty pretty often. Now, whether you're going to get somebody you want to hit, it's a whole different story. But right. if you you look on the prism side, right? What's your chase on the prism side? Your chase is reds and dark blues. Those are crazy, crazy hard mm -hmm. to hit. And then if you right. get lucky enough to find uh, gravity boxes, you got the checkerboards. I think the checkerboards probably are the best parallel prism that you have on the retail side, but yeah, I'd agree. you're not, yeah. you're not going to find, you're not going to find gravity packs <clears throat> that haven't been searched or, you know, that people, what I've, what I've heard, and th this is a cautionary tale to anybody that wants to buy, um, prism football gravity packs. Okay. I was told by a lot of guys that got sealed gravity boxes and apparently the checkerboards are the very top pack in the gravity box, the exact middle pack 
in the very bottom pack. So they're in the same exact spot in that gravity box every single box. So if you buy loose packs from somebody and somebody knows that piece of information, you're not going to get a checkerboard. So it's right. a, it's it's not even That's worth great. even trying. So That's a really good question. Yeah, thanks for that. Good. Um, to kind of lay that landscape that I talked about in terms of comparing the Mosaic Prism PSA 10 rookies, um, just kind of looking at Mosaic and Prism now, as we know, Optic has nothing graded yet. But uh, Justin Herbert's Mosaic base is $340. So a Mosaic base of PSA 10 of Justin Herbert is 340 bucks. And I think just through doing breaks, just kind of like with you and different people in the retail realm, I think I got four or five, you know, that I'm that are at PSA. So like, I know I didn't spend $1,500 getting those breaks. So the value is there. Like you said, the value sure. is definitely there for Mosaic. Um, his prism is 1100 bucks. I think 1100 is probably a little high. I think it's still in that small pop range because there's still not a lot of them yet. Um, but still, I would expect it to be close to double. Um, I don't think I don't think it should be triple, but I think probably close to double is what I would expect um, with those two. Uh, Burrow, 312 for his Mosaic, 666 for his prism. That's about the line that I would expect in terms of multiplier. Tua 157, 336, again about double, and Hertz 130 and 340 for his prism. So when I say those prices, kind of what jumps out to you, or what do you think about those prices? Um I I think I it would be interesting to see where the dust settles on these top quarterbacks with Prism. For one, how many PSA tens are there gonna be just because of quality control issues, yeah. right? Right. It's so hard to dime one of those cards just because they're all cut off center. Two, how hard they are to hit compared to how much they made, right? When when you're when you're making a set and especially dumping this much out to retail where you don't have numbered parallels, that gives Panini license to make as much of it as they want. And there's no accountability. Right. You're you're not right. dealing with numbered parallels out of retail, so they can make as much as they want. You know what right. I mean? So we have to look at the pops. The pops right. is all so, we have. You know how many pinks are there? You know <laughs> exactly right. So that 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 would be that would be where I would look at. It's like I would be real curious. I if I was going to dump some money, I mean, obviously Prism is the way to go because there's going to be so much fewer tens of any three of those just because of the quality issues and how hard they are to hit. I, they probably made more Prism than anything else, but there's probably going to be less. PSA 10 of, of all those three guys in any of those products simply for the fact of how hard they were to hit and the quality control. So. Right. Yeah, definitely. I think when it comes to those base plays too, it's really important to take a look at like when it comes to prism, you know, if it's $1,100 and I don't have these color numbers, these are off the top of my head, but if it's $1,100 for Herbert's base prism, you know, if his green or his, you know, other retail exclusives are like 14, 1500, I'm probably gonna go that direction. Just gives sure. me a little bit, I feel a little bit better about the pop report on those. I feel a little bit better. Those are going to be lower and I'd rather pay two or $300 more to get a color card. I think that's because we kind of, how we battle these base productions is to stick to color as much as we can. Um, I, I think that's the best strategy we can go with all day. Um, in, in terms of these values, I, I am surprised that Tua has fallen as fast as he has. Um, I think that – I really don't think he was 100% last year. I was really hard on him during the season. I thought he didn't, his arm strength did not look good. So I do think he is getting pretty dang close to a nice buy opportunity. I think he – I think he has room to grow. And I think Burroughs, he is coming down and he's almost half the price of Herbert right now. Obviously you're betting on his health, which is, you know, that's not easy to do to come back from that type of knee injury, but he, you know, he's, I don't think he's half the quarterback Herbert is. I think he's much better than that. And See, that's, if they go, that's interesting. I was going to say, if they, they're going to go O line or uh, an elite pass catcher at five and he's going to get help. He's for sure going to get help in the draft. So um, I think Burroughs, if that, he comes back healthy, I feel really good about his arm talent to kind of get closer to Herbert. But yeah, what were you going to say? You know, it's interesting. The guy I work for got a full full ride to a division one school. Okay. He coaches a very elite high school here in Columbus. That's put a lot of, a lot of his players into Ohio state the guy. This guy knows football, like knows, knows football. Now, there might be a little bias here, but I asked him an honest question one day. I go, at a Burrow, Tua, and Herbert, if you had to put money down five years from now, who's going to be the guy? And he goes, without doubt, it's Joe Burrow. Without yeah. doubt. Right. So the, the confidence in, the, in the, the way he described it to me was, was really, really interesting. And I see, you know, we play these, the hype trains, right? It, it was so weird because just from a guy that was filling breaks from my perspective, 
when I threw those three teams up in a break, they, they all three of them went at the same. People were going after all three of those teams at the same clip. Even when Burrow got hurt, they were still going after him at the same clip. And then you yep. could see the Dolphins fall off. It was, it was hard to get rid of the Dolphins, but the Bengals and the Chargers were still really easy to get rid of. And then yep. after a certain period of time after Burrow was out, Herbert kind of pulled away, and then it was hard to get rid of the Bengals and the Dolphins. So that yep. hype train just followed followed Herbert, and, and that's kind of where we're at today. It's interesting, though. Right. No, it isn't. I, I think I've, I feel – like I probably agree with that. Like, and I'm an Oregon fan, so I'm I'm definitely got the bias towards Herbert. But I really didn't think Herbert was going to come out this fast. He came out so much quicker. He I felt like he was raw. I thought he's going to be a guy I could buy during the season if he didn't get the job because he wasn't supposed to get the job till a punctured lung by the trainer got Tyrod Taylor out. So, you know, <laughs> he kind of fell into a great situation. He was just making throw after throw after throw. Um, but either way, I think they're both going to be around for a long time. I think Tua and Hertz has a lot to show next year. But the thing about I like about Tua as well. That team is building for the long haul. They have draft picks after draft picks. They're going to get an elite receiver in the draft probably as well. So he's going to get help as well. He's going to be in a good situation. As we saw with Sam Darnold, situation means everything because it can kind of sink you early. So I do like Tua's situation. Um, speaking of which, let's get the five takeaways. Sam Darnold was traded. He was traded to Carolina for a second, third, and a fourth round pick. Um, the second and the fourth round picks are next year, not even this year. Um, pretty, I think it's pretty cheap. Uh, price for a 23 year old quarterback um i do like it for sam darnold in terms of the hobby i think that i like what matt thule can do i think he's a good offensive mind and i think that it, he's in a good situation he has a lot of weapons there he's got cmc dj moore uh they still have their eighth pick in the draft so i think that sam darnold got a really good landing spot for him to try to rebuild his career will he is he good i think that's the question we don't know but i think it's one of the better landing spots he could have uh fell into do you have any thoughts on darnold or the panthers at all in terms of i don't know what no. do you think about him though? That's, I'm gonna leave that expertise up to you. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. So I, I just think I just think like I said, DJ Moore is one of the more underrated receivers. We talked about the show a couple of times. He, CMC comes back, get a good one-two punch. Uh, that that team can definitely give him uh, some 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 support, some support. And it's good to see what the Jets can do. I hope they don't ruin a Zach Wilson, but we'll see on the Jets for sure. Um, you know, obviously the rumors of Watson are getting uh, heavier and heavier by the day. Unfortunately, uh, for a good player, you just it's just hard to see these type of things come through, but there's rumors now he could be out for the season um, in terms of just on the commissioner's exempt, like, you know, letting that stuff settle because it really affects the league and they're, they're not going to tolerate that. So definitely something to keep in mind. Like so we're going to dive deep into the speculation, but I just think keep that in mind. If you're a person who has a lot of uh, Watson cards uh, trades galore, it's been a very big off season for NFL trades. Uh, a lot of movement. It's all been around the quarterbacks. And that, a lot of it comes from largely being five quarterbacks projected the top 10 in the NFL draft, which is the most we've had since they said 2001, I believe, the Tim Couch year. So um, we're in a position right now, and I mentioned this last couple times of the show, but I think it's a great thing to think about is we have four guys from last year's draft that are going to be starters, and we have five guys that are going to be starters this year, essentially, at some point. So we got nine guys within the last two years. That's almost a third of the league is going to be uh, young. And I think you've seen kind of a big turnover in terms of youth of the league quarterback, and that's great for the hobby. That's going to give us a lot to chase. Next year's prism, next year's mosaic is going to be monstrous. <laughs> how, how nuts How nuts do you think um, Lawrence and Fields is going to be compared to to a burn Herbert. Yeah, so I, I think I think Lawrence is going to be bigger than all of them. I think that he is a generational quarterback. He's the Peyton Manning um, type, you know, Andrew Luck, the guy that comes out that's just a surefire. Uh, so he's, I think he's just going to come out so high, probably higher than we'd imagine. Like you know that Zion type a uh, feel. Um, the other guys, I think when it comes to it, I do think that Herbert and like Burroughs, they slide right behind him. But I think the depth of the this year's class coming is going to be deeper. They have a lot of unknowns. Fields has a lot of unknowns. He's really talented. He's got a lot of good, good arm talent. He kind of gives like a Cam Newton vibe in terms of his size, what he can do with his legs. Uh, but, you know, his passing efficiency, how, how, where does that progress? You know, I get a little worried with Ohio State guys seeing, you know, Haskins be real successful in Ohio State, but can't translate. Uh, just yeah. trying to see that, you know, Dink and Duncan, if that's, if he can actually extend plays and uh, get move the ball down the field. Uh, the Lance from South Dakota State, like he, or North Dakota State, I have, Really, he's really raw. Missed the whole season. It's really hard to see, but he's kind of like a physical specimen with a lot of tools. Uh, Mac Jones just dominated. He looks impressive. And Zach Wilson's every all everything I've seen from him is pretty eye popping. What he can do as well in terms of the arm talent. So, I, I think that 
if Zach Wilson goes to the Jets, it's going to be a tough situation still. It's going to be hard for him to get a lot of momentum, but he will, you know, being in that market, he's going to have good value. Um, whoever gets the, whoever the Niners get, I'm going to be on probably for sure. I'm a big believer in Shanahan, what he can do in the offensive system. So I just think that if it's Mac Jones, or if it's Fields, or if it's the, if it's Lance, I think that uh, they'll be successful there. I think Shanahan's a really good coach. So I, I kind of trust the system. A lot of times it comes to quarterbacks, but that's he kind of my take on the out of Denver, man. It, it was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's got it in his blood for sure. Um, and I just put it in here, it's kind of a funny one. You know, nobody knows what's really happened with Rodgers, the Packers, and now there's speculation about him being the Jeopardy's host full time. Like, will Rodgers leave football for Jeopardy? <laughs> I just said to throw it out there, it's kind of hilarious. Uh, he, he put out a tweet the other day just saying, Hey, he said, Don't worry, guys, I can do Jeopardy and play football. It's just, it's just oh funny. Oh my god, <laughs> but either way, I mean. That does matter in terms of the hobby because he's like he's out there more. You know, if he does do Jeopardy and playing football, more people know him. More people are actually going to want to collect right. him. It's, it is that's what happens with Peyton Manning and SNL and all those things. Yeah, so it does true. matter. We do need to pay attention to it for sure. Um, the last thing is we talked a little bit uh, backstage for the show. You know, twenty twenty selects been hitting today. Kind of the first you know breaks in the last couple of days. Um, expensive. It's fifteen hundred for a hobby box about, um, but it's nice. It's really good. It's really nice. A lot of color. A lot of you know autos. Uh, I've seen the I've seen the zebra today. I've seen uh, the the tie dye today. A lot of really cool looking cards. But what are your thoughts on select? It's I don't pay too much attention. It 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 really got my interest a few months ago when I heard that they were bringing this to retail. And it's going to be so interesting. Nobody knows. Panini hasn't really said anything. There's there's been absolutely no questions answered about how much of the how many of these parallels are going to transfer to retail. Are are any of them gonna? Are, right. Is the XRC gonna be in retail? Like, what what's gonna be in retail? Is it gonna be a whole new slate of retail exclusives between Walmart, Target, and and Meyer, and God knows where else? But it, nobody knows at this point. You know, it's it's interesting too because on the retail side, you had Prism Basketball and Select drop so close together, and there's probably people sleeping outside of Target right now to try to get Prism <laughs> Basketball for Friday morning. So. I, I think they purposely staggered these two releases to make sure that they weren't dropping select football on top of prison basketball because it would just it would have probably blew every city up and there were just be flames <laughs> if you looked at a map. It would it would have been yeah. it would have been terrible. So yeah. uh, on the hobby side, it's you know everything I've seen. I haven't personally jumped in any breaks. I'm not going to be breaking that stuff because it's it's a whole other tier above what we do. But what I seen today, it's it's what it always is. It's awesome. A lot of bunch of parallels. Everything looks great, but it's crazy yep. expensive. So if we're if we're looking at, you know, $120, $130 Prism football blasters, is Select gonna overtake Prism? Because this is the first year they're doing select retail, or is it gonna fall where Mosaic is? I think people are gonna absolutely lose their mind. I think it's gonna be configured similar to uh, select retail uh, baseball where there's probably only going to be one pack in there with 10 or 15 cards. That's the way they do yep. select baseball retail. And um, high end retail. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's silly because you're spending 20 bucks and you're getting almost nothing. So yeah. it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Here. Yeah. And then just for the listeners, if you're not familiar with XRC, that's actually one of your ways you can get Lawrence early because the XRC Absolutely. is the, is the following draft class they'll say you know your it's a redemption card and it can say qb2 qb2 so the second quarterback drafted you're going to get a card for that guy so there is obviously a lawrence chance and all these upcoming rookies so that's kind of a fun chase within select as well um it's quite interesting so yeah perfect yeah select it does look good it looks clean i like the colors i like the variations i do Beautiful. i feel like the design of it this year it has less centering flaws than the year before i feel like kyler's year was really off-centered those those bubbles on the side are really difficult to them to have it nice and centered this one this product seems like it looks a little bit better uh in my initial look for the first couple breaks so all right cool let's just zip through these buy and sells let's get to the, the little bit bigger retail discussion so just simply just who would you take um i got a list of about four guys four groups of guys here uh go with some old school guys here matt stafford with his new situation with the rams his 2001 tops chrome psa 10 rookie is going for just under a thousand bucks at 9.99 or matt ryan 2008 tops chrome psa 10 215 now big value difference but i know like people actually believe that stafford has a really good chance to win a championship or you know take the rams to that next step um so i do think and i'll just say in my opinion you can go i think stafford's a little bit too high right now i think it's still that hype of being on the team 
I do notice if you ever notice, it seems like the Falcons are an every other year team. So I feel like Matt Ryan is a little bit low. The Rams, the Falcons kind of are terrible or they're good. They're never really in between. And I think mm. they're coming up maybe on a good year this year with a coaching change. But who do you like there at that price point? I'm buying. I'm buying low. It, it seems like uh, it, it's hard to make money when you're buying in a thousand bucks. So I'm going to buy in a two hundred. Yeah, because I mean, even if even if Stafford wins the Super Bowl, how high is he going to go for one Super exactly. Bowl towards the end of his career? So I'm with you too. Uh, I would take Matt Ryan there. Um, Jalen Hurts, go the young guys. His NFL Prism PSA 10 at 340, or Kyler Murray's Prism PSA 10 at 530. So you got kind of, I think Kyler's came back up a little bit. He was in the 400s, high 300s for a bit, and he's starting to climb again. Uh, and Hurts now with Eagles saying, you're our guy for now. We're going to be behind you. And he's kind of getting up there with two at about 340. But who do you like between Kyler at about 530 or Hurts at 340? I have I know a lot about Kyler because I followed him on the baseball side. So I'm taking Kyler. Just, the guy's crazy athletic, and I, I think yep. he's going to pull ahead. Yeah, I just think he's just a better passer. I think I just like his passing ability more. So I think that's going to take him farther. I am worried about his size, and I don't think he's going to be able to run like a crazy crazy man for very long. But I do think right. his arm talent impressive. Uh, a couple old school guys that are fun to watch. Uh, Calvin Johnson coming to the Hall of Fame this year. Uh, his 2007 Tops Chrome PSA 10 is 670. And then Randy Moss's 1998 Tops Chrome PSA 10 is 1,000. Uh, who do you like there? I think you got to go Randy Moss, man. Yeah, I love Randy. I love Randy Moss. I, think I, Randy I do Moss, too. Randy Moss is is he was so dominant. How I mean, how can you not love the guy? Yeah. So I made a comment last show, and I, and Mike kind of said, "Well, about Randy Moss." But when when Calvin Johnson was in his prime, in terms of like dominating a game, like who dominated more in their prime? Do you think, like physically? I re- I remember watching Randy Moss, thinking it's not even fair. Like right. it was literally, it was literally not fair. Like I felt I could be the quarterback of a football team, and if I had Randy Moss running routes for me, I bet you I could probably win a couple games because the yeah. guy would just make the play no matter what. It didn't matter who he was way, how high he had to jump. It didn't absolutely matter. The guy was an insane talent, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm Randy his, Moss all the way. Yeah, his speed was unmatched. Uh, I had a story of a friend of mine that played with a guy that went to the league, uh, Anthony or. Brandon Carr, super fast guy out of Boise State, and he said that he was covering Randy Moss to practice the Raiders one day, and he and Carr ran a four three eight. He said that he just got toasted. Like Randy Moss just <laughs> ran by him on a fade. He said he wasn't even close to him. He said just just stride him out and it was done. I think he was oh the smoothest God. smoothest runner um, ever seen. I just have memories of Calvin Johnson, like being a Cowboys fan, like freaking third and nineteen, and they just throw a five hundred and Calvin Johnson over three guys draped on him just comes down with it because he was just a monster. Um, so I just felt like physically dominant. I felt like he was just you just couldn't stop him physically. Like you, he would just jump over you because he was so massive. Um, Randy was definitely he wasn't small, but he was more of a burner and just he was getting behind you no matter what. So yeah. uh, it's it's a it's an interesting conversation. I think Randy Moss is the better all time receiver. I'm not gonna say that. I just felt like Calvin Johnson's dominator Randy was pretty high, hence the name Megatron. Um, <laughs> But yeah, how about um, Saquon to his Prism PSA 10s 271. Uh, McCaffrey's 2017 Prism PSA 10 is 350. Who do you like coming off injury? Both guys basically missed the whole year last year. I think just because of the hype that was around Saquon, I, the, the hype was there. It, it was demonstrated. People were going crazy about Saquon. So how, if, right. if if he comes back and he does well, I think. I think it's real easy to jump back on that hype train. So I'm going Saquon. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I, I think that's fair. It's, it's, it's tough. I like, and I might like McCaffrey situation better. I think, you know, if, if Darnold pans out, I like it better. I'm just the giants. Where's that offense going right. is, is Daniel Jones going to be able to support him. They have the old line to do it. They, they, made, they made some strides. They were competitive towards the end of the year. Um, but yeah, I think for me, it's, that's a tough one. I think I might go, I think I might go with Saquon just because I think he has a bigger upside as well. I, I will. I think I'll be with you. I'll take a little bit cheaper, hoping for the upside off the injury. I think that's a good call. All right, cool. Uh, yeah, so that's that's good for our buy and sell. Uh, in terms of question on the retail market, so I'll just kind of throw a couple of questions at you, Chris, and then you definitely can expand as much as you can because, again, that's why I had you on the show. Uh, but I said just like you kind of already did actually the first question. You kind of walked me through the last like how where retail has gone. But do you want to kind of summarize kind of where retail has gone in terms of just – easy to find no problem you breaking it to can't get a thing like just kind of that progression maybe just kind of talk about your experience over the last you know few years uh retails availability yeah i think this for guys that are just getting into this now 
this will probably blow your mind. And especially if you're one of these guys that are out here hunting retail all the time. By the way, just a quick aside, I buy a lot of retail off of local guys in my area. Now, this this is literally their jobs. Now, it's changed a little bit because these companies have changed their policies. But this, up until about a month ago, I'm not kidding you, this was their jobs. They do not work anywhere else. They spent Monday through Friday going from Walmart to Walmart to Meyer to Meyer to Target to Target over and over and over again. And they would end up with trunks full of retail. And then they would, call, instead of listing it on Marketplace, they would call me and I would say, hey, look, I can't, I can't pay market for it, but I'll buy everything you have at a fair price and you can just get it all, dump it all at one, one shot. So there's literally people out there that do this for a living now, which is crazy because what I'm about to tell you will probably blow your mind if you're just getting into this. So just a, a, I would say about a year and a half ago, you could walk in to a Target, I would say any Target. On a Thursday night, most Targets, the way that they structured their, and it, let me back up a little bit if you don't know this or not, but Target, Walmart, and Meyer, they don't stock the cards themselves. All they're doing is renting shelf space. They contract with a company, Target, contracts with a company called Excel Marketing. Meyer and Walmart contract with a company, uh, MJ Holdings. So right. basically, MJ Tops and Panini basically gives MJ Holding and Excel a allocation, a large allocation. And those companies, MJ and Excel, then rent shelf space from Walmart, Meyer, and Target to display their product. Walmart, Target get a little bit of a cut. But in turn, Walmart and Target has nothing to do with it. All they're doing is providing shelf space. Excel Marketing, MJ Holding comes in once a week. They put the new product out. They enter it into the system. They take old stuff off to restock it, so on and so forth. So it's basically just a shelf rental space of, for, for these retailers. So a couple of years ago, you'd be able to walk into any Target on a Thursday night. And the way that Target did it was the... Excel marketing boxes would come in via UPS Tuesday or Wednesday, and the vendors would come once a week, depending on the um, how busy the store was, maybe once every two weeks. So what the employees would do, they would take these Excel boxes and they would put them in the aisles of the, where the cards were, and they would just sit them there on the floor. And then when the vendor came in, they would open the boxes up, put the stuff away. But as a collector, you'd be able to walk in there at any time the Excel boxes would be sitting on the floor. You'd be able to rip them open, get the new product out, rummage through them, do whatever you wanted to. This was just a couple of years ago. Walmart was a little bit of a different story. They always kept their stuff in the back, but it was always stocked once a week. Everything was there. They had a huge clearance rack. These, All the stuff for the last couple of years, it's not like it is today. Nothing, Everything wasn't bought off the shelf. So stuff would run through a cycle. They would pull it off the shelf. It would go into back to their box. They would take it back to their warehouse for back stock. And then within a few months, it would come back out at Walmart on the clearance aisle. So you would see that older product on the clearance aisle at Walmart's and Myers, not Target, but Walmart's and Myers. So, you know, here we are today where this, I, I watched this happen in real time, which is very interesting because, you know, I'm a guy that was, I would go into Walmarts and Targets all the time. I knew the schedules. I was buying shelves full of product for myself long before it was the thing to do. So I knew I knew when these people were coming. I knew the, all that stuff. So it, it was interesting to see when it all happened right around the time COVID hit, Bowman Baseball dropped, and Bowman Baseball was a real big release. And then you started to see, man, I'm going to Target, and there's no Bowman Baseball there. What's going on? Then you get lucky and find it a little bit here and a little bit there. Then every release after that, the hobby started just going on this crazy trajectory. And then it was, it was like, man, you can't find retail anymore between COVID the vendors not stocking and these people, everyone having all this excess time, they got into the hobby. They started going to these stores and, and just wiping them out. It was absolutely crazy. But what you see now is, and, and I'm going to give you a little bit of a prediction here. Over the last year and a half, Walmart and Target had, had, has had to deal with crazy influx of people coming in, trying to figure out the vendor's schedule, trying to be the first person in line to buy it all 
for one. And it, as you can imagine, it causes all kinds of problems. These stores are now dealing with vagrancy, right? They got all these people standing around their stores all day long because you can't go up to a Walmart or Target employee and say, hey, yeah. when's the vendor come? The vendors right. work on their own schedule. You know what I mean? So yeah, I saw people they, camping out playing video games. Like, <laughs> like dude, it's, it's, it's crazy. So now where this was a situation for Walmart and Target where they just rented shelf space, now they have to allocate resources to it. Now it's, hey, I have to send two or three employees over to the cart aisle with a security guard to make sure no fights break out, to make sure that the product gets divvied up fairly to the people that were there first in line and the first person doesn't take it all. So now this went from a very easy transaction between Walmart, Target, MJ, and Excel. I'm going to rent you shelf space. The product sells or doesn't sell. And we don't have anything to do with it. We take our cut. You guys deal with it. No problem. Now it's, hey, we have to literally man this aisle with employees and security to make sure it happens once a week or they just recently changed it. But before they were dealing with this stuff every day because nobody knew the schedules. So over the last couple of months, you've seen Walmart and Target say, okay, this isn't working. We have to do something. So what they, their answer was, we're going to tell you a time you're going to come in at that time. And then we're going to pass out cards. But again, they have to allocate resources to it, right? MJ in Excel isn't coming in and bringing employees to do this. Right. Walmart and Target are, okay? It's more so work now, for Walmart. Yeah. Exactly. So now they have people standing in these card aisles at a certain time. People are spending the night the night before to get there. So what I see happening is you see a, a transition of a lot of Walmarts and Targets are doing away with sports cards completely because they don't want to deal with it, Okay. I think it's up to the store's discretion between their loss prevention and, you know, the theft of it and all this and the, the vagrancy and the fights that break out, the allocation of resources from the stores. I think it is their discretion whether they want to stock sports cards or not. So you see these posts all over Facebook and Twitter. Hey, my Walmart stopped selling cards. My Target stopped selling cards. All they sell is Pokemon. No more sports cards. Okay, Th this is very easy to see what's happening here. So now Target has changed their policy to say, we're only going to give you three items per SKU, and that's all you're able to buy. Most people were fine with that, but now that didn't work because they were still bringing their whole family in and they were still getting it all. So that was still a problem. Now they said, okay, you can't do that. You have to come <laughs> here Friday at 8 a.m. and then we're going to pass out these cards. Meyer started doing it too, the same thing. Walmart is still the Wild West, but I, I expect that's going to change soon. But what I see happening is it's moving closer to the door. They're going, look, these cards never make it to the shelf. So we're paying for the – Walmart is giving – and Target are giving them the shelf space, which is a huge commodity because they sell products, right? doesn't matter the product. It's still shelf space. And it's a pretty sought-after shelf space because it's right by the registers right when you walk in the door. So what is the point of Walmart and Target renting out shelf space if there's never anything on the shelf? It's just an empty shelf seven days a week, and they got to deal with all these people coming in camping out over the stores. So it yeah. doesn't take a genius to see what's happening here. There, it's, I think it's moving to they're going to wash their hands with it. Panini or Excel and MJ probably are contractually obligated with Tops and Panini to get a certain amount of product. Not, ultimately, it's up to them how they distribute that product, how they sell it. But you could sell cards anywhere. Now, it doesn't have to be at a Walmart, Target, or a Meijer. They could throw yeah. them up online, and they're going to sell themselves. But then that creates a whole other problem because you have all these cook groups. You know, Talk to somebody and ask them when the last time they were able to buy a blaster box off of Target or Walmart. Yeah. These, these uh, cook groups like Lots. KSR and the box, yeah. right? They brag about prison basketball dropping yesterday. Their members basically got the entire inventory of Target's prison basketball. You don't stand a chance. Don't even try. If you don't have a $10,000 bot, don't even try. So what this is doing to us or the, the people that are listening to this, the collector, the people that have ruined this for you, they're going to take it out of the stores because the stores can't 
and don't want to manage it, it doesn't make sense for them financially, then what that's going to do is force the companies that have this massive commodity being retail allocation via MJ and Excel, they're going to say, well, we're just going to go direct to consumer, throw it up on our website and we can sell it. But then when they do that, that gives this companies like KSR free reign to completely own the retail game. So it's going to get real sketchy real, real quick. Why should I tell you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, then that's, that's obviously the progression because, you know, MJ holdings and stuff, they're not, they don't really have stores or any place that it'd be hard for them just to open up somewhere physically and sell. So, you know, I mean, yeah, like that. And if it does go online, we are outmatched. We know that (laughs) there's, it's going to be hard. Yeah. Uh, Do you think that, do you, do you think at one of the three between Walmart, like it seems like Walmart's kind of like staying true. Do you think that Walmart is just going to try to just weather it? Or do you think that they're just going to end up wash their hands of it as well Here, here's, what, here's like- what i here's what i can tell you if if you have retail allocation via a distributor you're probably paying 11 to 12 dollars a blaster for the prisms of the world you know some of the cheaper products it might be eight or nine dollars a blaster okay mm-hmm. so that's what mj and excel in that range is probably getting it for so they're getting it. Let's make it a round number, make it 10 bucks. Okay. Okay. They're taking that product, going to Walmart and Target, paying to rent their shelf space and giving them a cut. They're selling it for $19.99. So they have $9 in margin or basically $10 in margin for each blaster that's sold. So I, I don't know. Let's say they're giving Walmart two bucks, three bucks per blaster and then renting shelf space on top of it. So if you're a major retail retailer that's does billions of dollars in annual sales, why on earth would you want to do something where you're making four or five dollars a box that that is gone instantly? It's sold. It's it's very little money in the grand scheme of things. And now you have to take your employees and your security guards to help make that two or three. It, It was a different story. When they just put it on the shelf, people came and it was self-serving, but now they have to allocate resources to it, right? So right. I think regardless if it's Walmart, Meyer, or Target, it's not going to make sense for them to do it very, very, very soon. And I, it, it's interesting because I heard the guy DJ from Panini, right? He's probably the only guy that's really spoke out about this from the manufacturers. And he, I forget which podcast he was on, but it was an interesting one. He actually talked about it a little bit, and he basically said, look, we're aware of the problem. We're, we're trying to do things to fix it, but they haven't done anything. Panini hasn't done anything. Tops hasn't done anything. It's really not up to the manufacturers because once they sell that product to MJ and, and Excel, yeah. it's their it's problem. Right. right. They've sold they, it, might, yeah. they might be able to dangle a carrot a little bit and dictate, hey, look, we're handing you – and here's the other crazy part, right? Imagine if you were sitting on the board of directors of Top Indoor Panini and you're brand new to this and you just walk in and you go, okay, explain to me what we're doing on the retail side. And then and I'm the guy that's been working here for 10 years and I'm going to explain it to you. This is what we do. We make these boxes of cards. We sell them to a, a distributor for $9 a box, right? It probably cost us, we might have two bucks in it. Then they put it on a store. They put it in Walmart and Target. They sell it for $19.99. And then the people that come in and buy it for $19.99 sell it for $120, $130 right. a box. We're missing the margin. Yeah, that's why right. we're not putting prices in the boxes anymore. <laughs> they're going to be like, what? Yeah. what? We're selling it for how much? And they're selling it for how much? What are you talking about? So right. what I see, what, what I think is going to happen real soon is Panini, if it continues on this trajectory – why would Panini and Tops need MJ and Excel anymore if the end result is going to be blasters for selling at $120, $130? Panini and Tops could very easily go direct to consumer, split the difference, 10x their margins, and it sells itself. You know right. what I mean? I think the retail, the, the bottom line is what I'm getting at is the retail game for all of you guys that are able to walk into a Walmart right now and buy the shelf of prison basketball and select football 
enjoy it now because I promise you changes are coming. Whether right. it's those changes are pulling it out of the store, Tops and Panini is not going to sit back and allow you to make $100 a blaster while they're making $8 a blaster. It's not going to continue to happen like that. So right. just get ready for it is all I'm saying. Yeah, no, I mean, and let's just, let's go down that road. Let's let's just say that Panini and Tops don't go MJ Holmes anymore. The retail, essentially they sell their own retail the way they want to, however. So will that kill the retail value that we've been having for so long? Would you think that that makes us push us more towards hobby? No. If something no. like that happens? No. What, what, drives, what drives the retail crate, and people, I get in arguments all the time. I love doing this, is... I, you always see this on Facebook. If you're on Facebook, you see this all the time. You see a guy post 10 blasters of whatever at quote unquote market price. And then the onslaught happens. Flippers. Flippers are ruining the hobby. You guys Every are time. scumbags. Flippers, 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 flippers. Yeah, except okay. for it goes, it goes f- sold five. Flippers suck. Sold 10. Flippers. Right. Exactly. <laughs> PM coming. PM coming. Yeah. Right? So what? then I interject when I'm in the mood. I go, Do you, did you ever think about why this person is able to sell a prison basketball blaster at $250? Did you ever think about why? The reason is, let me, let me explain to you, is that because a hobby box costs $2,000. Right. And oh, by the way, the person that's getting allocated uh, product is not paying anywhere near $2,000, right? So they're probably paying $100 or $70 a box, and they're selling at quote-unquote market price to you at $2,000 a box. So the normal rational person goes, well, I don't want to pay $2,000 a box. I know Walmart and Target has them for $19.99. Let me go to Walmart and Target. Walmart and Target doesn't have them because I have a job and I can't sit there all day. Well. What do I, what are my options? $200 or $2,000, right? Yeah. It's directly correlated. If the hobby prices keep going up the way that they're going up, and as long as people are buying them, and as long as people are buying in the breaks, they're not going to go down. They're going to continue to go up. Breakers, LCSs, the blowouts of the world, the Panini top, everyone's going to keep pushing the limit and find the breaking point, right? They're going to find the breaking point. So as long as the prices stay where they're at, the retail prices are going to stay where they're at because nobody wants to pay $2,000 for a hobby box. Yep. That is, it is a direct correlation. How much hobby cost versus how much retail cost, right? When hobby boxes of Prism were 150 bucks, there was 1999 blasters on the shelf because who cares? Mm-hmm. I'll go spend a couple hundred bucks and try to hit a, a whoever auto, you know what I mean? Right. So it's a direct correlation. And yeah. I think the prices of retail are going to probably go up even more. I yeah. think they're going to continue to rise the harder it becomes to get. <laughs> and something has to happen. I don't know if the manufacturers are going to change their prices. I don't know if they're going to go direct to consumer. But something's coming because the manufacturers are leaving way too much money on the table. Yep. Well, I think with these prices, you know, over and over talked about the hobby is pricing people out. And so a lot of people are starting just to go more singles buying. And that's what we try to offer the show here, more football guys to focus on and attack some values. But I think the other thing I was going to say is as these prices keep rising, it almost forces the hobby to go to breaks because there's no way we can afford that box basketball guy. But I've got in a break with my buddy doing up here. I got the warriors as 120 bucks. I got the warriors for one hobby box. You know what I mean? Like you, you, the, it was a little auction thing. I was just participating. But the point is, is that you're paying almost $100 just to get the team you want for a box that used to be $120. That's just how far it's come. So you just have to really pick and choose your battles. And I think that breaking is going to be um, kind of the only way for people at this point if it keeps getting higher and higher. Here, breaking is absolutely the only the only economical way to go. It's it's very efficient and for somebody that's trying to to build sets to chase hits it's it's the only way to go you're going to lose 99 out of 100 times if you buy a hobby box and you're trying to chase wax you're just going to lose it the odds are stacked yeah. against you but what i would wish if in a perfect world i would wish tops and panini 
would pick one of their flagship products. And I know this is, I'm living in fantasy land, but just indulge me for a second. <laughs> imagine, imagine if, let's say in the football side, it was, I don't know, Donruss. Okay. Imagine in the, on the baseball side, it was top series one, series two, and update. And the manufacturer said, look, the only way that we're going to continue to grow this as an industry is it has, there has to be affordable lanes. And I'm not talking about score. Nobody wants stuff. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not talking, I'm not talking about big league. I'm not talking, that's product that nobody wants. Okay. Yeah. You can price it however you want to price it. Nobody's going to want it. So why not take one of these products in each major sport and say, look, this is what we're going to do. We're going to continue to give you the allocation of this product, but for a certain period of time, the MSRP is this, and you can't go above that. Right. It, this box should be a $100 hobby box for the first six months after release. You can charge whatever you want on everything else, but this product, you're still going to want, it gives them a, an affordable way to enjoy this hobby. Yeah. And I think that would save a lot of the people that are going to be exiting because there will be a max a mass exodus. It's going to happen. Right. You can only and get crushed for so long before you just say, all right, I'm done. Yeah. And, and that the numbers of the hobby is what's driving it. We all know that every group's got, you know, your group's growing all there's, and there's a bajillion groups. There's so many groups and yeah. they're con constantly people coming in constantly. And like you said, if there is a mass exodus, couple of those groups are going to fall. A couple of those, you know, LCSs are going to struggle again. Like we're going to get back to that point where nobody's buying the cards now. Like, I mean, that's a long time on the road. Cause I think we, the hobby is just so strong right now. But like you said, if the prices keep going at some point, people are going to find a different dance. That's just the way it is. Absolutely, man. <laughs> but perfect. Yeah. Well, thanks for, thanks for indulging us on that retail take. I think that was a really good perspective of, of how all that stuff works. Um, I think that I'm with you. It's going to change. You know it better than I do. Um, and just seeing even just in Canada, I think it's not as cutthroat, you could say, as the U.S. in terms of like the retail game. I was able to find Series 1 a little bit for baseball. Um, I didn't see any optic. I didn't see any prism up here. It was all on the shelves and on Marketplace being sold for 4X. Um, but the point is, is that this problems in the U.S. and the problems in Canada, they're all the same in terms of retail. That same battle is happening everywhere. Um, but all, all in all, it's going to be interesting to see which way they go because they do go online. Where is it going to be a chance? I think that's the worst case scenario for all of us. <laughs> Absolutely. So, well, perfect. Well, thanks for being on. out of target, man. <laughs> oh man, I'm never doing that. Yeah, never. I feel I feel bad if I go twice a week just to check. And my wife's like, "What are you doing?" I don't I even. Like, ah, nothing. Don't, don't don't we need something? <laughs> <laughs> uh, a couple of just questions just to get, close this out just kind of fun questions off topic um in ohio what's your go-to food spot what's like what's what's leroy's place to go for food oh swenson's burgers man okay if you ever, there you go. If you're ever in central ohio or around the akron area swenson's drive-in it's an old school drive-in where you don't get out of your car you just go up you turn your lights on they come out to you Nice. The bomb, man. Absolute there bomb. I like it. I like it. What's your go-to adult beverage? Um, I don't drink, but when I do drink, it, I only drink one time a year, really, and that's the winter time. I like uh, Sam Adams' winter lager. There you go. There you go. Good. What's your What's your favorite sport to watch and follow? I'm going to guess baseball, but what's your <laughs> – Baseball, yeah. That Definitely boy, yeah. baseball. Uh, one thing from the hobby right now that you could eliminate, what would it be? Just one thing mm. that you just don't like. If you cut that out, you'd be great. You'd be gravy. You'd be happy. Um, I would say bots. Yeah, yeah. I think that that was my answer last week as well. Um, I said, I said, as a breaker, yeah, bots. As a breaker, what's your least favorite part about it besides sorting? Because I know you you hire your daughter to do that. But uh, what's your least favorite thing about breaking? Uh, my answer is probably a little bit different than a lot of the bigger breakers that you might speak to but for me because i'm relatively small the worst part about it is guessing what people are going to want and investing that money so yeah. i gotta i don't have um i don't have a distributor account so i'm not beholden to buying everything just to get the good stuff so that's one one perk to being a small little indie guy like me i can pick and choose what i want to buy 
I don't make as much money as those guys that have uh, allocation. But so I have to be real careful about the money that I invest in, make sure hopefully people are going to want it. And if they don't want it, that hopefully continues to go up in value and it doesn't go down and I lose my ass. Right, right. That's fair. I I just thought, especially when you're picking and choosing, um, you want to make sure it fills and that you can break it. Absolutely. Perfect. Well, again, thanks for being on the show. You want to, you want to plug your room or, uh, anything about you? People people can find you. And again, appreciate you being on. Oh man. Awesome. Um, yeah, my name's Chris Leroy. You can find me on Facebook and uh, Twitter and, uh, our break room is called retail breaks. It's, uh, on Facebook. We have an Instagram and I'm on YouTube as well. Retail breaks, all one word. Um, we're a little R rated program. I, I kind of got a filthy mouth. So if you got any kids (laughs) around, you might not want to have me on the live run kids. That's all I got to (laughs) say. And Chris, Chris with a K when you're, when you're looking for him. So yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you, man. Thanks. Thanks for being on, bud. All right, brother. Peace.